BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Citizen, we got a very special guest today, uh, Rick Hogg from Warhawk Tactical. Although I'm not entirely sure you haven't legally changed your name to War um, <laughs> after 30 years of war, it might be a good idea to do that, or at least look into it, right? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, Dan, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, brother. Um, hey, thanks for your service. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where you served at the uh, 82nd, but I'm just going to go H minus to you, brother. Yeah, I was in the uh, uh, 2325. Um, okay. But yeah, we we're H minus indeed, right? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Um, so give us a little background on yourself, what you did in the military and what you're doing now. Yeah, so uh, my name is Rick Hogg. I'm a 29-year U.S. Army Special Operations Combat Veteran. I was also a Special Operations Forces K-9 Handler. I am the owner of Warhog Tactical. I'm the co-host of On the Range Podcast, the co-author of The Firearms Training Notebook, the inventor of the In Honor of Duco Loop Leash, founder of the In Honor of Duco Project and Project Officer Survival. Uh, Warhog Tactical offers mobile firearms, tactical, and canine training to law-abiding citizens, military, and law enforcement agencies. We both consult for both the defense and firearms industry. And just go to warhog.com for anything that you're lacking info-wise. Classes coming up. Um, we're in Ohio this month. We're up in New Jersey doing uh, open enrollment, room clearing, and then a one-day two or one-day uh, pistol, one-day carbine. Uh, back to North Carolina in May, and then up to uh, Tennessee in in June. So, yeah, and then we got a bunch of other things sprinkled throughout that's really not there because uh, they're not open enrollment events. 
on Warhog. So who's your, aside from, uh, you know, government contracts, uh, who's your average customer, I guess. Uh, so between military or actually more law enforcement, cause we're doing a shift. So our whole project officer survival is going to shift this more to the, uh, the law enforcement side and then civilians as far as the open enrollments. But you know, I didn't opt to have a range. I opted to be mobile to kind of spread myself around more places versus people coming to me. Uh, and then I get people going, Hey man, can you come here? Can you come there? It, there's only, you know, so many days in the year and, and trying to get all over. So we're pretty much East coast based. Doesn't mean we can't, we've been out to, uh, you know, California, Nevada, Utah. I mean, we've done stuff out there, but again, you just start burning travel days and it just doesn't become that efficient when you're trying to run the business. Sure. Of course. Um, and you, on your website, it says your program's main goal is to provide you the customer with a skill set to defend yourself or your family members using building block uh using a building block methodology of instruction what does that mean building block is that based on like uh the the q course where you break things up into phases or what do you mean by that yeah that's basically what we're looking at we're looking to build on top of each other so Mm -hmm. pretty much all of my classes start um so we use the firearm training notebook and first thing in there is the warhog self self eval everyone always wants to ask Hey, what's the standard on the eval? It's a self eval. It's just to see where you're sitting at because guys can't tell me, Hey, seven meters, a zone, uh, target on Ipsic target, you know, or a zone spot on the Ipsic target. What's your draw to first shot time? They have no idea. Right? So this is your firearms journey. So we start there just to go, Hey man, here's some data for, you know, for you. Mm. And then we just really look at, Hey, presentation of the pistol, just from the ready position. We're not even drawn from the holster yet. Right? I just need you to get out there, present the pistol, applying all the fundamentals of marksmanship, and then we just start building from there. So we we keep adding on and adding on. And then ultimately what we're looking to do is add realism to our training because in all of our courses, we have students bring T-shirts out to put over the targets. And again, I don't give them some instructions. So part of this is, is a little discovery learning on their part. They shoot for a little bit. We stop. We look at our targets and we go, hey, we'll give them some information. Now they have a better point where to aim. Now they've got more effective shots on target. So the whole premise is giving guys a skill set that I hope they never have to use, but God forbid they're ever in that deadly force encounter. They can use that skill efficiently and effectively. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people know just from all the coverage over the years and all the the war movies, um, unfortunately, but although they have started to get a little bit more technically proficient, but the, they, they understand mm-hmm. concepts like center mass and stuff like that. But I don't think the the majority of people um, understand things like the difference between a kill shot and an incapacitating shot or an open cavity mm-hmm. wound and things like that. I mean, how, how to actually but, stop, how to, how to actually end the threat. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. right now, even with police, you see, um, and look, I'll never criticize somebody in a gunfight. You do what you got to do, but mm-hmm. um, having to go through an entire magazine isn't necessarily the best thing. Right. Especially if you're in a dynamic environment where there might be other people around or there might be other threats around where you've got to, you know, maneuver and reload and stuff like that. Uh, It's it's always the little things that make you little things in repetition that make you way better at this particular skill. Sure. But Dan, you hit a key point, right? Center mass. And the thing is, center mass to me is not a good explanation where to put shots at. I agree. Yeah. because this is what we do so we have an anatomy target you know so guys can see the anatomy but they can't see it because we put the t-shirt over it Mm -hmm. now if you think about it if you think about you know your average clothing where's that center mass it's somewhere in the diaphragm lower belly area 
depending how long that shirt is, right? Mm -hmm. So that the, the mere concept of using the word center mass, you know, that doesn't work either. Mm -hmm. And then and then the other point is, you know, getting guys, you know, so during our courses, them being able to call their shots. Hey, did you actually see either your sights or your red dot come off of that target? Do you know where that bullet went? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times these guys go, hey, man, where were your shots? I have no idea. Okay, we've got a problem, right? We, you've got to know where your bullets are going. Because, again, if you're going back to that center mass and it's like, hey, that's not working. And an analogy that I use for my students is you think about it. The world we used to live in, these guys would wear these things called AK chest racks. Mm -hmm. Two mags of 7.62 by 39 will stop 5.56. So the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over. So if I'm just shooting, 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 getting no results, I've got to change what I'm doing. But if I have no idea where those bullets are going, how can I even address that? Yeah, it's a good point. It's uh, I think the the repetition process here is just the scientific method, right? So I'm going to go out and shoot with intent, and I'm going to see if my performance met my intent. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't, I'm going to make some changes and then see if that makes my intent. It's, it's reductive to call it trial and error because it's not just guessing. It's you're making um, intentional changes to what you're doing and seeing if it has the desired outcome. I think it's a really important part of that process. People go to the range and just buy a couple hundred rounds of nine mil and fire it wildly into targets like you didn't do anything mm -hmm. today. I mean, you're not going to be scared of recoil anymore, I guess. That's that's something that's that's better than nothing. But you haven't actually accomplished anything by going to the range and just firing into a paper target. No, and that was the whole purpose of the firearms training notebook, right? So that was really driven from our law enforcement students. So especially like if you look at our canine officers, they'll have training logbooks for their canines. They've got nothing for themselves. The only thing they care about is just passing this qual. Well, your qual's not training, it's testing. Mm. So when me and Mark Kelly, um, both my co-author, co-host, uh, when we came up with the idea for the firearm training notebook, it was so that you had a plan for both your dry and your live fire training. So the whole intent is by shooting the Warhog self-eval, you've got somewhere to start. I've got tangibles. I have 12 pieces of data that now I can sit there and go, okay, now when I'm going to go do my dry fire training, what am I doing? What's my plan? Where's the spots I need to work on? Don't be doing what you're good at, right? Mm. It's Guys always want to do, oh, man, I'm good at this. Let's do this. No. Where's my struggle points? It, it doesn't matter what it is, right? Because I think too many times people sit there and we get on this uh, social marketing, as I like to call it, and are we watching either entertainment or are we watching education? Great. Old boy's doing whatever. Cool. Does he show you his target? Does he not? Do you know times? It, you know, it's your journey. So don't get suckered down the road of what other people are doing. Yes, you can have your goals because one of the things we have in the notebook right off the get go, what are your goals? Now, to me, you've got to write your goals down. Now we can start attaining. I don't care if you put a line through it. You know, I don't care if you say, hey, my goal is to have a two second draw. Cool. A month down the road. Whoosh, Let's cross it out. I want a 175. I want guys to make themselves better. And that's the whole intent is, do you have a tool to do that? And that was the whole purpose of the notebook. So now you have, like you said, a plan. You're just not walking out. If I've got 100 rounds, what are my plan for those 100 bullets? It's all laid out prior to. And then, oh, by the way, by using my pro timer, I'm extrapolating data to go, has my dry fire paid off? 
is my marksmanship there? And trying to make yourself, you know, the, the mantra he uses, be 1% better every single day. Mm. If you're just 1% better, just incrementally better, man, where are you going to be in 365 days? You're going to be out there crushing it is what yeah. you're going to be doing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when Steph Curry goes to the gym to work out, he doesn't just randomly throw up shots for an hour and go home, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. pretty basic stuff. He starts in one location. I mean, he's he is very rigid. The best are very rigid at their plan, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. th- a lot of people have um, a little bit of a different twist on, on the warm-up, I guess, when they go to the range. But it's... <laughs> it all kind of falls into the same general. Like uh, I want to, I want to dry fire a little bit first to get feel for the weapon. I want to put some rounds here. I want to draw my weapon and put one round into a mag chain. I mean, there's a lot of different drills you can do, but it, if you're going to the range and not doing that, then you're kind of wasting your time. I, I, I agree, but I would tell you this. Um, I don't believe in a warm up. It's performance on demand, mm-hmm. right? Be- because if you're carrying this firearm for self-defense, there is no warm up in a gunfight. Sure. It's performance, yeah. it, you know, it's performance on demand. So if I go out and go, hey, I'm going to go shoot the Warhawk self eval as my drill to start the day. And then, you know, whatever I've got sequential, you know, training events from there. Boom. It's just performance on demand. Hey, man, if I blow it, that's OK. What did I do to blow it? Right. Man, I bumbled that mag change. You mm-hmm. know, I sat there and and lost my sights. Whatever, whatever the case may be, that draw from the holster was horrible. OK, it happens. Right. But I'm learning from it. That's got to be the key thing. As long as you're getting takeaways from, if you just go, I don't know what happened. Right. That's when we got. That's when we got dramas. What do you do? Uh, any tips off the rail? Like I tell people a lot, uh, and it's just I mean, you go through a basic training. You get a gun. They they hand you a rifle. You walk around with it for a month before they ever give you mm-hmm. any ammo for it. Right. Which is probably a smart thing. But the point of it is <laughs> that uh, there's drill sergeants running around lighting your ass up anytime you do anything unsafe or whatever. And over mm-hmm. the course of those couple of weeks, the the weapon becomes an extension of your of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And I try to, like, I know this isn't feasible for everybody. Maybe you got kids around; it's not a good idea to be walking around with a pistol in your hand around your house or whatever. But you know, if you have the ability to, just when you, if you're sitting around reading or watching television or some shit like that, have the gun in your hand. You know what I mean? Make it feel like it belongs there. I think that's a really important mm-hmm. part: is familiarity with that weapon system. One hundred percent. So, what I do, like. When I'm doing my Warhog Words of Wisdom, we got an accountability check. And I ask guys, have you either dried, dry or live fire today? Mm. Right? On top of working out and all the other things we, we throw in there. But my point is, you know, I want to have a regimented program. So, yes, I understand as far as, hey, you want to sit there and have familiarity with your firearm. Yes. But when I go to do my dry fire training, that time is, is carved out, mm. right? Um, the only thing my phone's doing, my phone's recording me because I want to take a look at me and see what I'm doing, right? I'm not out there worried about text telling mama, hey, leave me alone for 5, 10, 15 minutes, whatever the case may be. I've already got my plan allocated in the firearms training notebook as far as what I'm going to do, and I go and execute my plan. And then once I'm done there, you know, cool. Um, You know, the thing for me when it comes to kids, and you brought up a good, great point when it comes to kids and and firearms and safety, to me, it's like one of two things. Either the firearm is on you, typically in a concealed manner, because that's just what I like to do, mm-hmm. or or it is in a place where it is not accessible to the kids. Now, I'm all about teaching kids. So 
I taught my children at a very young age, you know, firearm safety, everything else. And I would take my, my they weren't blue guns back in the day. They were actually black. Mm -hmm. um, but I would have a, a replica firearm out. And the kids would come up and go, hey, daddy, your, your pistol's sitting over here. Hey, daddy, your pistol's over there. Right? We, we took that, you know, I let them shoot. I let them handle. I let them do those things to take that mystery out of that equation. Now they're becoming responsible gun owners, for lack of better terms, going, hey, your pistol's over here. Oh, thanks, guys. Let me go pick it up and, you know, go put it away where it should be. So I think that's part of it is if there is a firearm in the home, educate your kids. Mm. You know, don't – if they never see it, touch it, feel it, understand it, it's always going to be that question, right? So God forbid you leave it at someone and they go, oh, let me go check it out. Yeah, yeah. Why are kids getting shot, you know, because they don't understand what's going on with it. Yeah, you don't see people – I mean, experienced people don't make a whole lot of mistakes when, when it comes to that sort of stuff. What I mean by that is you don't see a whole lot of farm kids who grow up you know, shooting 22 rifles, uh, accidentally mm -hmm. shooting their foot off or shooting themselves or a friend or something like that. It just doesn't – there, there's something about um, taking the mystique out of it, I guess, that it's – it's 100%. Yeah, it's no longer like a taboo. It's yeah. just like, oh, that's a firearm and this is what it does. You know what I mean? Because you don't see kids – putting uh, metal and electrical sockets once they figure out that sucks you don't see them you don't like you for real you don't see them touching hot stoves after they figure out that that sucks they stop doing that stupid shit when they understand mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah. and that's all we have to do when it comes to the firearms you work a lot with uh you work a lot with police tell me about project officer survival and what what it is exactly what your intent there is yeah, so Project Officer Survival, we've partnered with uh, Jason Piccolo, uh, who's got the Protectors podcast, but he's also started up the Protectors Foundation and uh, Spike's Canine Fund. So both of those are 501c3 nonprofits. Our intent is to offer free firearm training to law enforcement officers via tax-deductible donations, preferably from corporations. We're not against individuals giving, hey, if you want to give, by all means. Um, but we want to try to reach out to different corporations because, again, I'd rather give them a tax break. They sit there and go, hey, you know your numbers, right? Hey, man, I got to pay 50, you know, thousand in taxes. Is it more beneficial to take that and pay Uncle Sugar taxes or, you know, donate to a 501c3? Uh, in turn, with that, we will work with whatever company, individual, however they want to donate, right? So we'll just use the company model as an aspect. Let's say we've got company X, they've got product Y. Uh, they sit there and go, hey, man, want to host an event? Roger that. We set it up. If they want to come out and make it a marketing event, they're more than welcome. Because we make sure that all the officers understand, hey, they're going to be either videoed, photographed, whatever. Um, if they want to make it a marketing event, they want to bring out the press, they want to do whatever. If they want to bring their sales team out, I, I don't care how the backside company orchestrates it to benefit them. But it's just to how do we give back to our uh, law enforcement community? And a lot of times it's just you're trying to break through cultural stigmas with those guys. Mm. And it's like, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, just because that's the way you've always done it doesn't mean it's right. Um, like we talked about before, you know, firearm training is not qualifying. That's testing. What are you actually doing beforehand? You know, there should be some premise on the individual officer that he's trying to make himself better, you know, throughout the year with this process. Dry fire is a, an easy way to do it. I get it. Some departments will give you ammo. Some won't. But there's got to be individual responsibility. So let's think about it. 
We've all seen that law enforcement officer that is overweight. Okay, dude. So if you're not working out, I guarantee that pistol ain't coming out of the holster. I guarantee you're not doing anything else, you know, for your self-preservation there. So all we're trying to do is expose them to some good quality firearms training that's not your typical uh, law enforcement thing that they're used to. Like, I'm not getting into the scan and assess and all these other range theatrics crap that these guys do. I ask them questions like, cool, what's your post-shooting procedures? Oh, I don't know. Hey, guys, pull out your tourniquets. Well, we ain't got one. Or still in the plastic. Or, you know, you try to pose questions that's like, guys, this is your life. And, you know, especially I, I use... You know, Fayetteville is a prime example. Talking with those guys, Fayetteville, North Carolina, the deadliest city in the world, in my opinion, right? You have men here that are trained. You have men here that have experience. You have men here that have the mindset. The only thing stopping them is intent, right? Mm -hmm. God forbid something happens. And, and you try to put it in that context. That's your fight. Are you actually training for that fight? And it's trying to get them in the mindset. I hope nothing ever happens. But God forbid it does. Can you use your firearm efficiently and effectively to stop that threat? And oh, by the way, go back home to your family. Yeah, I mean, and the overarching theme there is, is I guess, discipline and intent, right? I mean, it, I just don't understand. Um, I, I don't understand modern policing that much. You know, just the... The, the average police officer and their motivations and their preparation and stuff like that. I know there's plenty I, and mm -hmm. because I know these people. I know there's a lot of people doing the right stuff. But the amount of people that yep. I see not doing the right stuff is fucking insane. It, it, it blows my mind that you would be in a job like that, right, especially these days, because it's probably the most dangerous time mm -hmm. other than the early part of the 20th century in American history to be a police officer. And uh, sure. it, we're... we're <laughs> I don't know. It's like you don't care about your life. You don't care about going home. What the it, fuck are you doing? Well, well, it's a twofold deal, right? Where's the leadership? This episode of Citizen is brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast rounds and delivery schedule anytime you like members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts the best value you're going to get from black rifle coffee is the coffee club as again you can choose the roast whether you're like light dark or medium you can choose the texture you can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean or if you use a curry and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code Drinking Bros at GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. If you get the 40% uh, off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years. 
uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you. works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for us. Drink it, bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best. The mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there. 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. To lose the weight and get in shape. It, but they're not, nobody's held accountable. Hey, you passed your qual, whoopee ding. You're qualified to carry a gun 364, except for when you come to the range because they treat you like a child, mm -hmm. right? So I expect you to be an armed professional all the other time except for when you come to you know the range we don't you know i treat them like armed professionals as they are the only thing i have them do is go hey guys if you got duty ammo download it because i can't replace it mm. right if you shoot your duty ammo there's nothing i can do to help you so yeah if you need to download download and you see all these weird crazy procedures what are they doing out in public right so let's think about this we're seeing a big transition in law enforcement to red dot pistols i i 100 support it but think about it depending on that shift and as your lighting changes you're gonna have to adjust that dot mm -hmm. what does that mean pulling your pistol out somewhere checking it do you know where to check it do you have a safe spot what's your policy procedures but dan at the end of the day it's all leadership man and i hate to say it but it's piss poor leadership these guys get up there they won't back their people right we've seen cops in the right and we've seen these, you know, leadership throw these guys to the wolves. One of the things I. On a trial, I said, just show me your stuff. I said, if I look at your stuff, I go, hey, man, if I deem it's good, I'll, I'll tell you for you. I'll back you. And they're like, you'll do that? Why wouldn't I? Where are these chiefs and everybody else? Get behind your people. Quit putting stupid policies that are restricting them and causing all these dramas and putting, you know, putting their lives in jeopardy. It's some of this ridiculous policies that I've seen out there because I think it's easier to sit there and go, eh, we'll just pay off a life insurance policy. You know, that's easier than dealing with a, a lawsuit. Mm. No, dude, stick with your people. And, and even the guy's wrong, right? Even if he's wrong, don't throw him out there. Hey, dude, we're going to walk together. There's nothing I can do to help you, right? You're going to have to pay the piper, but I'm not going to throw you to the wolves. And yeah. I think if we had that type of leadership change – I'm sorry, Dan, I, I cut you off. Uh, no, it's all right. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it's – the leadership within the department is is pretty bad. The leadership from the political side is even worse. And, uh, you know – it's it's really interesting the the path it's taken because everybody wanted to defund. There, there's this San Francisco city councilor, this uh, lady, who's been on a campaign for the last couple of months about how we need more police and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, the internet's forever, so we've got video of you saying yeah. you want to defund police. You stupid bitch! Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck are you talking about now? Yeah. And it's like they, we're we're being asked to memory hole all this stuff that happened. Same thing's going. On. I live in Austin. Same thing's going on here. They cut 150 million from the budget, and now they've got their personnel shortfall is about 25 percent right now, which means they're only 75 percent staffed. The police force in a major U.S. city mm -hmm. is 75 percent staffed. That's not great, man. But it's a it's a reflection of the the times we're at, I guess. Because frankly, I don't know that I would do that job right now if I if I 
nope. were 25 and just getting out of the military or something, I don't think I would join the police at this point. Maybe maybe like a small sheriff's department in a small town somewhere, but definitely not in a major city. No. And, and part of it is this day and age you can be very picky. But the problem is you can look around for, hey, man, um, Polk County, Florida. You look at the sheriff down there absolutely fantastic right he's got no dramas going hey man you come here and point again at an officer you're going to get shot right cool but how many other you know leaders are out there backing their people how many other people are sitting there trying to divert crime to go no dude it is not okay to point a firearm at a law enforcement officer here in the state of north carolina the state of north carolina tells me as a civilian imminent threat of death great bodily harm or sexual assault i can use deadly force to defend myself there's no parentheses unless you're a law enforcement officer. Please drop whatever. Please do whatever. It's because they've been harped this liability. Does it meet the criteria for deadly force? It, it, it's a simple yes or no. Yes, it does. Check. Deadly force warranted. Deadly force given. Right? End of story. But we've gotten to a society where, well, you shot poor Johnny. Well, Johnny's a freaking career colonel. <laughs> You know, and then it, the legal system allows these lawsuits to roll in. I'm like, it, that's where the madness is. It, it's just totally boggling how this whole judicial system and the way it's set up. And guys are out there trying to do the right things, right? Granted, you look at the majority of guys that are doing things wrong or having dramas. In my opinion, it boils down. It's all training, right? Or lack thereof. They're not getting it. Or they're getting told, hey, don't do this or do this. I mean, if I could tell you the number of officers that told me, we well, you know I should have shot that guy. Well, why didn't you? Well, you know. No, I don't know. Because if I should have shot him, he's getting shot, right? Short of something happening where he is no longer a target, gone, whatever. Well, you know, I don't want to lose the house. Or I don't want to get sued. Or I don't want to go to jail. Or I don't want the lawsuit. I'm like, good God, man. So these guys are running around with doubt already in the back of their mind. I mean, a guy standing two feet away with a knife and you're telling him to drop it? Dude, by the time you process the information, you're sitting there with a freaking knife in your neck and your belly and wherever. I mean, and then God forbid you don't have your tourniquet or don't know how to use it or can't, you know, in a non-tourniquet you know tourniquet place. You get a knife in the neck, man. Good luck to you. Yeah, no shit. But, um, you, you know, it. but it's it's same with the dogs. You know, I do work with, uh, with police canines as well and just... The liability they put on that. You're starting to see a shift where departments don't want bite dogs anymore because they're a liability. Well, they're a liability if they're not trained, right? It's just everything boils back down to that. Lay a solid foundation. So when I talk about the whole building block methodology of Warhog Tactical, that's it. It's laying a foundation. So do you want your foundation to be a shoddy quarter inch thick of concrete or do you want Five feet of concrete, multiple freaking mats of rebar in there. I mean, you want a bomber freaking foundation. But these BLT, BLT classes, man, they're they're a joke. I mean, they're not laying the foundation. And then, oh, by the way, quit asking them to be the mental health professional. All these other things you're looking them to do, you know? I mean, it's a matter of time before one of these cops get bagged for giving somebody freaking Narcan that mm. doesn't need it or has an adverse reaction or something happens. And then all you got to do is, are you a medical professional? Well, I thought he was having an overdose. Well, you killed him. It's like stop the madness. 
they're there to enforce the laws. Yeah. How about we do that? Well, you know, let's let me, let's let's master that before we go. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a. I mean, a good point. So a lot of uh, a lot of this defund the police stuff has been coupled with the idea that certain responses should be done by counselors and things like that. Um, now, the safety of that is is that's obviously a bad idea. But we do there, there is there are certain situations where we will call in like a hostage negotiator, for example, in a, in a hostage situation. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But the first thing you do is secure the site, right? You get off the X, whatever, however you want to rephrase that. You, 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 you have to end the danger to whatever degree possible first. And then, you know, somebody sure. that's qualified for that sort of thing can come in. But we still haven't, um, we're, we're asking a lot of these, of these guys. Now, I, I think, um, I kind of go back and forth on this. I think it's a it's a almost an impossible job these days to be a cop in America, um, but it, I think I think it's also important to you know hold people accountable. Like your job as a police officer is to protect and serve the community, not the government, not politicians. It's to protect mm-hmm. and serve the community. So you know if you're out yep. there in situations and you're allowing violent crime to continue because you're worried about the consequences, you need to find another job, right? I mean it, that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. And look. Sometimes you let you let your kid fall down so he learns not to do stupid shit, right? And it, it, it sounds uh, uh, callous to think that way, but that is the reality of the world we're living in. You know what I mean? We can't we, the the safetyism stuff coming from leftists right now. You can see the result of it. We have an entire uh, uh, generation of people who are incapable of being resilient in any way. It doesn't. You're not helping anybody by by babying them all the time. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. It it doesn't make any sense, but it's it's almost like they're looking for the self reliant. I read a book or do my own research. You know, people need to start. And and I hope if you're a parent out there listening. Uh, you're taking a vested interest. What indoctrination your kids are being taught in school? Go to the classrooms. Go see what's going on. You know, we ended up homeschooling our kids late in life. And it wasn't because so much the education, because we supposedly moved to the best, you know, school district in the county. It was when guns started coming in the school. And then the principal's telling me, well, you know, it's complicated. No, it's not complicated. The state of North Carolina clearly has laws that says if a minor gets control of your firearm, it, it's a crime. Mm-hmm. So Johnny's got a freaking pistol coming into school, but it's complicated because you don't know who the guardian is because Granny's got a Monday and Tuesday and Annie's got him Wednesday and Thursday. I'm like, stop the madness. I said, you can't even guarantee my own child's safety. And then to boot, the school resource officer, my man's coming in at three bills, got a hard enough time getting out of the chair. And I'm expecting you to protect these kids? No way, dude. Yeah, they're not sending uh, their their best and brightest to do the school resource officer job. That's not how that works. No. No. Uh, But it's boiling down. We're we're turning into a society that, to me, the left's trying to push you to be reliant on everything but yourself. You know, they're sitting there pumping all this propaganda into your head. And, I mean, it's almost like if you take a playbook out of the Soviets— and I sit there and question, yeah, the Soviet Union dissolved, but I, I kind of think they won the Cold War, man, because they're freaking 
all their indoctrination they started back in the the uh, 50s and 60s man i think it's paying off sure yeah because I mean, look at the madness we got going on yeah we we thought I, america the west in general but america specifically has this problem we think in uh we're very myopic we think that uh we think that because we change power every four years or eight years or whatever it is that uh the rest of the world works that way so we have a shorter clock or a shorter timeline by which we judge the success or efficacy of a certain program or foreign policy or something like that um yeah we won the first you know battle of the cold war but it didn't end we spiked the ball at halftime and and went home you know and stopped fighting and uh here we are right Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's sad to see, you know, you brought up a great point as far as, you know, no one's got any resiliency. And it's funny because you say that, um, you know, today's post that I did on IG was going back to wrestling. And I credit the majority of my success in special operations from wrestling. Because what I didn't know is basically for four years, it was like many selections. So especially when you're a freshman. Right. So you make that transition from junior high to high school uh, wrestling. OK, cool, man. Stepping up to the big leagues. But, dude, coach, all he did was like PTS for like the first two or three weeks. <laughs> and it was no no learning moves, just straight conditioning. Right. And you'd see guys fall off. You'd see guys fall off till finally, I think either he got his number or hit the time mark and was like, all right, cool. Let's pick things up. And how many kids are actually doing anything? that is physically difficult. You, you look at us as a society. What are we, 60, 70% overweight? You look at these chubby kids rolling around, and I'm going, my God, parents, what are you doing? Have them get outside. Get off these phones. Go, and you know, it, it, it's like they can't just stand there in line. They've got to be doing something. Let your imagination run wild, right? Let kids be kids. Man, back in the day, you had a stick in dirt. It was great. That's all you needed. But there's no resiliency. No one's hard anymore. Just a big bunch of marshmallows out there. And you try to convey some of that to people. Hey, man, do something. You know, that's why we use the 1% better every day. Just try to make yourself 1% better. What does that mean? It's all encompassing, right? Physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. You know, if you're a husband, you know, being that 1% better as a, as a husband, father, you know, all that stuff, man. Just incrementally getting better. But it's almost like, bah, I'll just suck down some more Doritos and suck down a liter of coal and we'll call it a good day, you know? So, yeah, it's, in, it's, it's pretty interesting where we've gotten to. I think uh, I, I say this a lot, but um, Ben Franklin always warned about sacrificing liberty for temporary security. But I don't know that he or anybody else in that generation of first Americans could have uh, could have imagined that we would sacrifice our liberty and our health and our future for just convenience because we were lazy or whatever. I mean, that's, that's, I, there's no way that people back then could have conceptualized how shitty human beings could become. Although, you know, it's nothing new. The uh, aristocracies throughout all of human history have kind of behaved this way. And, you know, we, we like to, there's a lot of class warfare that happens in the United States, you know, pitting, the middle class versus the lower class or the upper class versus everybody else and all that other bullshit. But 
the reality of the situation is if you have a combined household income of $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% globally, right? So we are as comfortable as human beings have ever been. And it's done nothing for us except for bad shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and there's no mm -hmm. one. It's like, who's setting the example? You know, you, you look at government. Every time you turn around, there's some type of scandal. There's some type of corruption. There's some type of something going on. Right. All right, cool. Let's go look at schools. So schools are all pumping their hidden agendas and all this other crap. Right. It's just every time you turn around. So you've got to be that self-reliant. And hopefully, like I said, going back to if you're a parent, educate your kids. Don't fall into the trap. You know, and, and I got it. You might both have to work or do whatever. But I'm telling you this, man, I am not a fan at all of public school. And especially some of the dramas that I'm seeing now. I mean, let's look at, you know, DeSantis when he's not. Third grade, dude, it shouldn't be till high school at least, maybe, right? And some of the rubbish they're putting in these in these uh, in these libraries, you got to sit there and go, where's the parents stepping up? We saw it in Virginia, you know, but you need more people to be proactive, and I think that's the key part when you look at all this. Yes, we are very well off, but very well off also makes you lazy. You know, you sit there and try to ask people, hey, man, you going out to vote. You going to express, you know, your disconcern for X. And nine times out of ten, people aren't. They're not making that extra effort. So if you don't want to make the effort, you're just happy going with status quo. So it's almost like – I don't know. We've never seen – whenever the generation takes a step back, there's never, you know, going forward. You've never seen any forward momentum. You know, people could argue, hey, the the work ethic of, you know, the greatest generation from World War II, you know, yeah, it carried over to the 50s, but then you kind of get to the 60s and it slips back a little bit. You know, I think we're doing pretty good until current, you know, kind of current day. Then all of a sudden, my God, I mean, some of the crap we're trying to indoctrinate these kids with and going, why are we indoctrinating them? Why are we, why are we even peddling this crap? Where's it coming from? Um, But I think that's the... That's going to be the key thing, Dan, is, you know, parents have got to be more involved. And then we as Americans just have to be generally more involved. Hey, I got it. Um, I'll give you a prime example. Um, here in the state of North Carolina, the North Carolina Highway Patrol, their pay is mandated by state law. Well, the only way they're going to get a pay increase is by my fellow North Carolinians soliciting you know, our legislation and going, Hey man, these guys need a pay bump, but a guy's going to do that. So it kind of goes right back to what you're talking about. Do we want to defund these guys or keep them at the status quo or try to throw a bump to hopefully draw some more people in to fill the ranks so that God forbid you do have to make that 911 call. Uh, yeah, please hold. Uh, I mean, just some of the things going on. So I, I don't know. I don't have the answer how we get the change, but I would say it starts at the family nucleus. If we've educated our kids properly, they're going to carry it on and hopefully we get some spread. But I think if we just act as good Americans across the board, 
you know, you sit there and do simple things like act of kindness, right? So that's one of the things I kind of do on my accountability check on the, on the words of wisdom. Simple things like I get great pleasure just holding the door. Like when I'm going to the post office, dropping off, you know, my filament stuff. I see somebody coming in or out. I hold the door. What's it hurt, right? Five seconds of my time. Be a little courteous to, you know, another person. Hopefully it carries on. And I think hopefully if we get more people doing things like that versus just worrying about me. Sorry, you keep cutting out. Did, um, and you got Yeah, I got you now. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah, so a couple of things on what you were just saying. One is, uh, I'll, I guess I'll go in reverse order, but the, the act of kindness thing. One of the principles uh, of this show is to do something every day to help your country, your, to help your country, your countrymen, or all men, not necessarily in that order. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the... It is about mindset. It's not about you. Life's not about you. Like all the great things, all the important things you do in life will be in the service of other people, whether it's your family or somebody else. Because that's how we're designed. We're designed to, you know, procreate and then extend our DNA as far into the future, best prepared as possible. That's the biological purpose of all life. Um, mm-hmm. and if you if you reduce that down to, you know, sociology, it, it makes a lot of sense to not think much about yourself, but that the culture we're in today is it, we're trying to romanticize self-care for some reason. I don't know why it's like the most ego driven, stupid bullshit of all time. Uh, the other point about, you know, how to fix things and, and why people target children. I mean, that's the solution is in the problem, right? As it almost always is. Uh, if you want to truly, it's hard to convince somebody with deeply held beliefs that their beliefs are wrong, but it's pretty easy to, you know, instill into children different things because they don't have the ability to mount a sophisticated defense defense against bad ideas. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why it's so important to teach kids at the earliest possible level, these very basic lessons. You don't have to teach them. I'm not, I'm not religious. So when I have kids, I would never teach them that, but I would teach them, you know, what, what I consider to be the, the, building blocks, I guess we're going to call it that of being a good human being. And then also, uh, uh, ways that they can continue to become more and more prepared and resilient throughout life. And then, you know, as they get older, you teach them how to be leaders and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. if somebody's there's, there's a reason they're targeting children. It's because that's how you affect the next generation without having to fight a war over it. Right. You just I mean, we're, we're living in that United yeah. States right now. There hasn't been a civil war, but the, the ethos of the United States is being torn apart by these assholes because that's what they wanted to do. I mm-hmm. mean, it's Yuri Bezmenov talked about this back in the 70s quite a bit um, after he defected yep. from the Soviet Union. But that's where we are today. But, you know, again, it sucks. But the solution is to do what the enemy's doing just do it the right way you know what i mean teach them their teach kids the right mm-hmm. thing because you know by the time they're in their teen years it's too late in a lot of cases to, to really reach somebody like that totally and, and but we've got to figure out too like the family nucleus is so broke you know it's it's 
and, and I got it. Divorce happens, right? And things are going to happen. But I use myself as a prime example. Did me and my wife, especially doing 29 years, have some hard times? Yeah. Was divorce probably thrown around? You know, it might have been. What was the glue that kept us together? Well, two were both stubborn people, but it was really our kids, right? Because coming from a divorced family, I didn't want to put my kids through that. So how do we, how do we instill those values back in to our fellow Americans, right? And I think it's doing things like this and just spreading the word and giving people, hey, man, it's okay to start young. Teach values into your children. You know, same thing when I talk about the firearm safety. Instill it in them young. Because like you said, as they start getting older and older, and God forbid at whatever point you opt to give them that phone, as soon as you... I would, and I got it. You're going to go, well, there's peer pressure. There's all this other stuff. And dude... Go get him a flip phone. Go, hey, man, if you get into a pinch, call, because I got it. You can't find a pay phone this day and age anywhere. But I think we just have to be a little more um, a little more in building the family nucleus back. And like you said, just instilling being a good person. So if it's that act of kindness, whether it's holding the door open for somebody else, um, you think about this last time at the grocery store and you, and you talk to the cashier hey how you doing mm. eh, i'm all right and, and and to me that that opens up a window of opportunity if you tell me eh, you're okay hey man it's a great day you're alive today right what, what's going on and and just try to solicit them just try to have a conversation with people um you know my thing is and and again i am a religious guy so i look at it every morning that i wake up and take that first breath i'm grateful I thank God for giving me the day, you know, and then in turn, I ask him for the wisdom, power and strength to get me through. I, I would just say, I, I don't hide my, my faith, right? Uh, I'm very much, Hey, this is a part of me and I can, Hey man, you're not, and that's fine. It, it's not a drama, but it's what drives people. You know, you're laying the, the foundation to tell people, Hey man, be a good person, do this, help out your fellow American. You know, it, it's like this. Every time I see those blue lights, I slow down and I just take a look. Why? Hey, man, if that guy's in a pinch, uh, I'm going to go help him out. Mm. Right. But how many other people are doing that? How many other people are sitting there? Hey, cars broke down. Do you actually slow down, roll your window down? Go, hey, man, you all right? No, I got it. Read your situation. Right. Because granted, there's been times where people have set people up for carjackings and stuff like that. Right. But you can kind of read the field and go, hey, man. I got a pregnant woman out here in the middle of, you know, back road 40. Yeah. Hey, need a hand changing the tire, doing something. So I think the more that we can do that collectively across the board, the more we can quit doing all this in doc and go, hey, let's just be good Americans. Right. And take the other part is. I think it was Teddy Roosevelt, if I remember correctly, brought it up. He's like, as soon as you start putting something in front of the term Americans, you start dividing us. Mm. Why can't we just be Americans? Why do we need little titles in front of what we are? How about this, man? I'm proud to be an American. What's your title? American, straight up American. How about we do that? How about let's get the blend back together. Let's get us all on the same sheet of equality. We are all Americans. 
So I, I don't know. It's just uh, like you said, crazy times, but um, try to navigate through it. Try to, you know, help out where you can and try to just be the best person you can and really try to leave this country better than the way I found it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. That's another one of the principles I'll put more into the country than I take out of it. And I think, you know, to your point, if um, if good health, generally speaking, that is to say eating good food, you know, hydration, um, staying fit, mm-hmm. exercising and things like that, if those are the best inoculations to disease, and we know that to be the case, um, being a good person, you know, watching out for other people, taking care of other people, making sure that you're leveraging whatever skill and talent and ability you have towards, you know, other people, towards a a purpose, whatever that purpose happens to be, is the ultimate inoculation against, you know, tyrannical bullshit and social fucking disease. And you can see that there's there's a direct correlation between how we, how much we, interact with and help each other and how shitty our society becomes. And it's not just about, you know, keeping things clean and, and picking up trash off the ground. Although I do think that's an important part of it just to, to keep you in the right mindset. But it's also, uh, as you mentioned, kind of about how it's, I think even with a lot of parents and kids, it's like, you know, I mean, you can't control the kid. He's going to do stuff. So it's not, you know, how much, how responsible can I really be anymore? It's like, well, your job as a parent is to train that child to be an adult human being. It's, it's not to, Mm -hmm. you know, dress them up cool or be friends with them. That's not your job. You know what I mean? When you're, once the kid's an adult, you can become friends with them again. But as a child, your job is to make sure that kid is ready to go out into the world and not be a total piece of shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, it, 100%. 100%. And, but I think you've also, I mean, granted, there's some fantastic single parents out there, mm. but you need that family nucleus, right? Because let's think about it. How many boys do we have out there that are very feminine because they don't have, you know, a male role model in their life? And you think about it, what, you maybe pick one up in high school if you've got a coach or something? But are you actually going to do that sport? Are you going to, you know, it's kind of a day late and dollar short. And how do we sit there and get that masculinity back, in, especially in, in young men, and have them do boy-type stuff? Hey, dude, get outside and doodle in the dirt. Hey, man, I mean, back in the day, we thought it was cool. We'd go eradicate the frogs down by the pond, you know, take your BB gun, no dramas, you know. I mean, that's one of the things you were doing. It's like you pretty much left first thing in the morning as long as you were home before it got dark. No issues, no dramas. Now, I got it. Our our society has changed. But can we get back there? I, I think we can. But it's going to take a, a whole bunch of work. And it's going to start by getting the left to shut up and quit indoctrinating all this crap. It's going to be, a hey, big tech, go beat it. You know, get your Chinese spy app out of here. You know, personally for me, I got it. That's why I call it social marketing. It's not social media. If I need to sit there and, and get on some platform to communicate with all my friends, trust me, they're not true. Act where we have actual true relationships and we get our kids outside. Get them out running around doing the things they need to do. 
Get them doodling in the dirt. You know, get them engaged in sports. And here's the thing. Parents out there, this is just my two cents. If your child opts to start a sport, the only way that my kids could quit that sport is when the season was done. Hey, man, I gave it a fair shake. I don't really like that. I want to try something else. Cool. But do not let them quit mid-stroke because then you're building quitters in there. You're saying, hey, it's okay to give up. No, it's not. It's never okay to give up. You're going to persevere through this because this is what you want to do. I got it. It's not your cup of tea right now. But when the season's over, hey, we'll go look at a different sport, different game, and then go from there. So um, if we can start there, like you said, Dan, I think it'll be kind of cascading effect. We can start getting, uh, you know, that next generation ginned up, and then that'll spread out to the next, and then hopefully we can kind of rewrite this wrong in the current junction we're sitting at. Yeah, it's good advice. I mean, we, we all are very focused on stopping the surge of, of absolute nonsense that permeates everyday life today, uh, which is an important thing to do, obviously, and it's a necessary thing to do. But, you know, you, you don't win the war by just focusing on now. You've got to, you know, plan for the future as well. Um, not mm-hmm. just from a, you know, preparedness mindset generally speaking, which is something we talk about a lot, but also because, um, you know, there, there, there will come a time that you and I are not able to do this stuff anymore. You know what I mean? And, and if there's nobody left to do it, then we are truly fucked. I I, I definitely not, I don't want to spend my retirement years in a fucking gulag. You know what I mean? No, no. And, and, And that's where we'll wind up. You know, that's the part that people don't understand is I'm a firm believer you have to be a student in history. Because let's let's be an honest broker. How many debacles have we seen within just our own generation play out? You know, we had a horrible debunk coming out of Vietnam, right? Shockingly, 50 years later, repeat, same button. Come on, man. It's like, give me a break. We should not repeat the mistakes of the past. But again, if you're not a student of history, if you're not understanding, if you haven't, you know, it's like one thing I always keep on here in my desk, man, Constitution of the United States, right? How many people have actually read this thing? It's a small read, short book, right? I recommend everyone has one. Do people even know what their rights are? You know, no, they don't. They'll sit there and bolster and say, oh, that violates my rights, does it? Is it in the Constitution? But we need to get back to kind of understanding. This is why I go, we as Americans understand our very roots. Do we even understand how the government works? Are you even involved in government? Are you just voting for the federal government? Are you actually looking at your local levels? Because to me, that's where your money's made. You've got to get involved at the local level. Can you make change? 100% you can make change. Does it require work? Yeah, it requires work. You got to go rally people, educate people, give people the back, spread the message. But people just don't want to sit there and put the effort in because I think they don't know. They don't understand. And, and that's okay if you don't understand how to make a change with something. But you have to sit there, educate yourself on it, and then go execute. But it, it blows me away um, that people just don't take the time to read the Constitution actually see what does it state. And I used to be one of these guys that went, why did the Founding Fathers make – 
you know, two, two, and why wasn't it one? And, and then you start looking and it was almost like, you know, current day you had that epiphany. Now I know why, mm. because freedom of speech is being oppressed, right? It, it, it's unbelievable the amount of power that other people have when it comes to our ability just to communicate. And I think really the only way, if you want to look at big tech and social and everything else, the podcast is about the last place. But again, your podcast can be controlled by big tech. All it takes is a tally tick of the button and versus you kind of getting the reach out there. Now you're sitting there at the bottom barrel, you know, but everything, everything is so manipulated. And I just tell people, Hey man, to me, there's nothing better than being at a place, you know, especially the municipality level where you're in there actually debating your case, do your research, state your points. You know, I like to throw some history behind there. Cause that's just, you know, I I'm a big fan on the history side and then just plead your case to whatever that local municipality government thing that you're looking to change, because that's the biggest thing. If you can start at your local level. Okay, cool. Then we move up to the state. All right. We got that one going. We go up to the federal level. You know, I'll give you, i give you a prime example. Um, it blows me away that for my law enforcement officers, especially on the canine side, you have municipalities that will not transport that canine officer. And I'm talking about our four-legged one in an ambulance. You have hospitals that will not treat that, you know, canine officer in the ER. And I've had these guys, you know, Elio's, you know, kind of say that to me. I was like, cool, check it out. Tell them cats. Hey, man, there's ever a shooting here? We're never responding. You don't want to take care of one of our own? No problem. Hey, ambulance cats, you get into a pinch? Sorry, dude. You know, th but go make the change. Go get it to where these guys, because when you look at it from the military standpoint, when I was running Duco, it, he had the same rights and privileges to medevac as I did. If he got wounded on the battlefield, we're going to fly a freaking bird in, evac him out. And oh, by the way, we're not looking for a vet. To my canine officers, quit going to the vet. What do they know about trauma medicine? Nothing. That ER probably does because they probably dealt with gunshot wounds, knife wounds, you know. Anatomy physiology is pretty much the same. A couple little nuances when it comes to the dog, but it, I can't even get those guys to make change. You know? So... If they can't even fight for themselves, I mean, th this is the kind of things that we're looking at, Dan. We've got to be proactive. And there's times that no's not the answer. You know, if you're trying to get something done and somebody tells you no, well, okay, you're, you're not the person I need to talk to. Who do we got to go figure out to bring this up to a higher level to fix it, change it, adjust it? And that's how we make change. That's how we make our country the powerhouse in the world. That's how we get everyone back together under this blanket of Americans, again, striving for prosperity for all, man. So, Yeah, it's good advice. Uh, definitely good advice. Tell every Before we get out of here, tell everybody where they can find you uh, on the interwebs in case they want to reach out and get some training. Yep, one-stop shop, Warhog, W-A-R-H-O-G-G.com. That has all our links to our social, our Patreon, YouTube, all that stuff. But if you go to Warhog, W-A-R-H-O-G-G dot com, uh, class schedules, all that stuff, our products, everything is right there. One stop shop. Great. Well, look, we really appreciate you coming on today. It's a good conversation, a lot of good information in there as well. 
yeah, appreciate having me on, Dan. Absolutely. You guys check out On the Range podcast and uh, Warhog Tactical. Uh, thanks, you all, for, for watching. This has been Citizen.